Amen. Thank you, team. Thank you, choir. Can we thank the choir for leading us in worship today? Thank you, guys. We're going to be hearing more from them a little bit later in the service as well. Welcome. Uh, If it's your first time here to Double Oak, glad that you are here with us. Uh, And we've got actually a very special day uh, planned for this morning. Hey, grab your Bibles, if you will. Uh, Thank you, buddy. Uh, And turn over to John chapter 14. Uh, John chapter 14, verses 2 and 3. We've been in John 15 for about six weeks now. Uh, So this should be a very familiar place in your Bible. But John 14 is where we'll be in just a few minutes. Uh, John 14, verses 2 and 3. Uh, Listen, I am glad you were here today. Today is kind of a milestone uh, week uh, for us here at the church, and we're very glad to share some good news uh, with you today. Uh, Listen, Double Oak has always been a very blessed church. Uh, Our church is 18 years old, which that's a little bit hard to believe. Uh, It also still feels like a startup in many ways, but we are not. We've been here for 18 years And over that 18 years, God has been very faithful to provide for us uh, at every step of the way, from uh, giving us a place to meet uh, beginning in a firehouse, and then over at the elementary school, and then providing this place here, and then with all the staff, he's provided for us resources. Every step of the journey, God has provided for us, and we've grown. Uh, So much so that about uh, six years ago, we were really busting at the seams here uh, at the Mount Laurel campus, and so we decided to start a second campus, and that campus is now uh, doing well. It's down in Chelsea. In fact, there's close to 500 people who would be worshiping there this morning instead of here, uh, which is exciting. Uh, but to help that campus, a few years ago, uh, we started a capital campaign called Multiply. It was a three-year commitment, and we had three different goals we wanted to accomplish during that campaign. First off, we wanted to raise enough money to start a building for the Chelsea campus. They were also in a school. We wanted to help build them uh, a physical building. We couldn't pay for all of it, but we could get that thing started. Uh, Secondly, we wanted to raise half a million dollars to shower on local uh, ministries and charities all around the Birmingham area. And then thirdly, we wanted to retire the debt here at the Mount Laurel campus. And after three years, we ended that in June, we had accomplished a lot of this. We raised enough money for that Chelsea campus. In fact, if you drive down 280 now and you look to the right at Chelsea Park, you'll see that facility. Uh, Secondly, we did raise half a million dollars and we showered that on all sorts of uh, ministries and charities right here in the Birmingham area. But we didn't accomplish that third goal. While we significantly reduced the debt here at Mount Laurel, we weren't able to eliminate that. Now, in the midst of all that, you might remember that we went through some very turbulent times. There was a pandemic. Do you all remember that? Uh, I mean, we had this thing happen where there were lockdowns, and it was crazy, and there was a lot of change going on. Uh, When we came back, we were a lot smaller than we were pre-pandemic. There was economic uncertainty going on. And so throughout this time, the elders have done their best to make sure that this church always remained on a good financial footing. Uh, But because of that, we have been very conservative. We wanted to make sure that we always had ample reserves and that we also had money to help us regardless of what was coming down the pike in the midst of all these challenges and with with a smaller membership, what what was coming. We wanted to make sure we could take care of the church. But over the past year, something amazing has happened. First, this congregation, as they have always been, has been incredibly generous and faithful. Even with all the economic uncertainties, you continue to give, not just your tithe, but over and above your tithe. 
We completed the giving campaign, and people continue to give. Some of you are brand new to the church, and, and you began to give. We were very stable throughout all of this period. In addition to that, we were given a very large gift, uh, unearmarked, to say, hey, however this can help the church, we just want to help the church uh, really move forward in all of the things that it is doing. And so looking at all of these different things, a month ago, we made a fateful decision. Uh, three years earlier than schedule, uh, with about a million dollars, just under a million dollars left on our note, we made the decision to completely retire the debt here at Mount Laurel. And as of today, we are debt free. <laughs> It's exciting. (laughs) It's a lot of fun. (laughs) Some of the students are asking, what's a mortgage, right? (laughs) You'll you'll find out. Listen, this is, this is a huge day for us here at Mount Laurel. Uh, for six, 16 years, uh, we've had these facilities. We've continued to grow. We've continued to develop and that, you know, continue to raise a debt load. And we've been so blessed to have all of these buildings. But this is the first time in 16 years here at the Mount Laurel campus that we can say we are debt-free. Uh, and please know this. This was not just a one-time decision. This decision has been made uh, many times over over the years of the church. I can't tell you how many elder meetings I've been in at the end of the year where the elders have said, hey, we've got some excess funds. Let's put down an extra $25,000 on the debt, an extra $100,000 on the debt. We've been trying to do this for a very long time. The elders have done their best to really financially steward us to make sure that we would get to this day where we could actually say that we are debt-free. But that story is a story of God's faithfulness. It's a story of how God has provided, not just in this moment, but in all the moments of the history of our church. But many of you don't really know that full history. And you might not know about all the things that have happened in kind of creating this church and how God has provided all along the way. So we've actually had a video made uh, where I want you to hear that story, not from me, but from the people who were here and experienced it in the very first days of the church, where they're going to get to tell you all the different things that God has done in providing for this congregation. Now, in preparation for the video, let me tell you two things. Number one, you're going to hear a lot about a guy named Randy Overstreet. Um, you hear chuckles already. Uh, Randy uh, is the founding pastor of Double Oak Community Church. He single-handedly started this congregation. He was the one who brought me to Double Oak. Um, And so you hear his name a lot. But then secondly, as you watch this video, I want you to keep your eyes and ears open for all the ways that God provided. In all the multiple ways that we needed, God gave us everything we needed. And you're going to see this amazing provision of our Savior. So let's watch this. In the fall of 2004, Randy Overstreet and I had been members of First Baptist Birmingham. He was associate pastor. And ironically, the, the last year in 04, I was chairman of the deacons. And so he called one afternoon and said, hey, I'm about to plant a new church. Uh, we all be interested in coming. And I said, where are you going to put it, Randy? And he said, Mount Laurel. I've already, it's already been decided. God's blessed it. And that's where we're going to be. And I said, well, since we live in Highland Lakes, geography has a lot to do with it, but we're in. So that, that was how we first came to know that Randy was going to build it here and we were going to be a part of it. Randy told us that um, he was going to have an organizational meeting, if you will, on uh, Christmas Eve Eve of 2004 in the Cahaba Valley Fire Hall. They had the trucks moved out. And so Shirley and I came 
and I think there were 23, 24 of us there. And the meeting was, for us, it was surreal. We'd never had a pre-launch church service before either, and never before in a, in a firehouse where the fire trucks parked. And so it was decorated as best we could, and, and we, we had prayer and song, and, and mainly prayer about the starting of the new church, and, and of course, you know, praising Jesus for that. Bill Noyer was principal there at Mount Laurel and Randy had gone out there and visited with him and talked to him about having the church there. And, uh, you know, Bill said, no, it's not going to happen. Uh, that, you know, we're just not gonna let a church come in. And so, you know, Randy left it at that. We turned it over to the Lord and a uh, short time later, Bill called back and uh, said, you can have the church here on Sunday mornings. And actually they started visiting, they joined the church and uh, they're still here today. So it's just been a fabulous time with that. Okay, the first service was uh, Easter Sunday in the uh, school at Mount Laurel Elementary School. We met in the lunchroom. Uh, there were a group of us came in on Saturday to uh, set everything up and get the chairs set up. We had to clean, we had to sweep. And because of, it was a lunchroom on Friday and uh, you could smell the, uh, you know, fish. Fish sticks. Fish sticks, the smelling the fish sticks. The smell of fish sticks and day-old spaghetti was prevalent. Kelly led the music that morning and just to see us, I think there was about 42 people there that morning. And, you know, some of them, it was their very first Sunday with us, but they were, you could tell they were feeling what I was feeling and feeling the presence of the Lord and just, seeing you know what he is going to do with the church moving forward. I was still playing at Brick Hills, so I would play at Brick Hills and then get in the car, drive over here, play at Double Oak, and then go back and play for a second service at Brick Hills. Yeah, well, it's, it was exciting. <laughs> and we moved all the tables. It was set up for dining services for the students, and so we had to move all those tables, all those chairs, move them out of the way, move uh, all the chairs back in, gather them, get them in a row. Uh, get them established, uh, bring Kelly's sound equipment on, uh, you know, take care of everything. Take things out of the attic, down to the stage, and then after the service, move it back up to the attic. Uh, put all the chairs back like they were when we got there. And that was every Sunday for numerous Sundays to follow. A real uh, exciting part for me, I was, of course, playing for Kelly in worship every Sunday. And Randy Overstreet said, hey, we really need to have kids worship. And I said, Randy, look, I'm helping Kelly. I can't do a kids worship and help <laughs> Kelly both. And he said, well, let's just start praying about it and see what happens. Wow. And about three or four months later, uh, James Spann shows up on a Sunday morning and leans over to me and says, hey, Randy's talking to me about leading kids worship. Would that be okay with you? And I said, yeah, that would be really good. I think that's a great idea. But it was just interesting that that kind of thing happened over and over again, that God would just put the right person in the right place at the right time. Yeah. Randy knew that he wanted to build a church at Mount Laurel somewhere. And he, he knew John Freeman from somewhere. John Freeman was a longtime superintendent for EBSCO Realty in helping build the town of Mount Laurel. So they got to be friends and talked. And I mean, to a lot of people, Randy uh, brought a stake one, one day down to the property and he drove a stake in the ground. He said, this is, himself, this is where I'm going to build a church. So John Freeman was in on the, on the plan all along, and John knew that 
EBSCO was going to gift the land. He didn't tell anybody, but he knew they was going to do that, and he knew where it was, and it's this lot here. So when Mount Laurel would build a house and had dirt left over, John would have it brought over to this lot, have the tractor smooth it out and get it ready to build on, because he knew that, but Randy didn't know it yet. He was not sure that EBSCO was going to gift the land until the last minute. Uh, he actually negotiated this land as a gift to the church and at no cost. Uh, he was such a, a fine Christian man. Uh, I can remember the day we came out here and laid our stakes in the ground uh, as a church. And uh, actually we walked from the school down here and as a congregation and drove the stakes in the ground. And uh, we had a campaign. We, it's interesting, we had actually some, some quote experts come in and explain to us you know, based on your economics and your demographics and people, you, sh you should raise this much. Well, then we had our first fruits where people literally, we, we, we were dropping checks and money in a basket. And then we also did pledges. When uh, Randy called us together and revealed the, the results of our first fruits donation, everyone was just in awe. It was just shock. It was just what God can do uh, revealed to us. And it was a, it was a, a a key moment for everyone. And we, we initially thought, well, if we can build just a place to, to have a sanctuary, that'll be enough. But we got enough pledges in that First Fruits campaign, uh, cash and pledges, that we were able to go ahead and start and build our education center as well. And so it, it put us on the road to, to building this facility. Uh, and we participated in that from then on until uh, it was open. It was great. We planted flowers, we planted shrubs, trees. These trees are, that you see out here now are, are mature. They were just small sprigs when we planted them. So it just shows the life of this church and how the church has grown and the plants continue to grow with it. Randy uh, took the Bible that he was ordained with, the, the Bible used in his ordination service, and he had it placed right under the stage before they finished the stage so that he would always um, be there and be something that we're standing on the Word of God when we're up here. So one day my phone rang and Randy was on the other end. He said, Lyle, you're not going to believe this. I just had lunch with this person and he stroked the check for a million dollars to this church. And I said, really? He said, yes, but I have to tell you one thing. I'm not bringing a million dollars back because I had to go to the store and buy me a pair of underwear before I could do that. For us, for me and my wife, Judy, it was a, it was a moment of, of holiness in our lives. It, God filled us. It was just perfect, perfect service. I can't say about that. That's what the story of Double Oak's been about. It's been about, you know, more than buildings, more than just the exciting, you know, days of getting a big check or, or, or seeing a first fruits campaign go beyond expectations. It's been watching children being baptized. It's watching families be restored. It's been watching uh, people come to know Christ. Um, that's what it's been, that's been the important part about the whole thing. 
when we first were going to, the first Foods Campaign was to build the worship center we're sitting in now and just a couple little rooms for nursery. Again, because of the first fruits and the amount that come in, we decided to actually build the second, add on a bigger building, the educational building that we now see where all the kids are. And so that's how we started. And then after another couple of years or so, we, we had an option to buy more land across the street. So we built that building. Uh, and a lot of you wouldn't know this, but that building was originally a gymnasium and some classes. Uh, it, it became a what it is now after another couple of years when we needed more space. But it started off, again, because of the, the faithfulness of the people here, we had the resources and the funds and, again, the growth here and really needed that other building. That, that was born out of the fact that a lot of our community groups for a long time met in people's houses here in Mount Laurel because we had nowhere to meet. The kids, of course, took priority, which I think was right. Um, but we need a place to meet, so that's how, that's how the, this next building ended up being built. But i got to be honest with you, the most exciting thing in this church for me is the fact that you've, this group has been so faithful in what they committed to do to be able to this quickly pay off a, as big a, five, whatever, five million or what it was, to be able to come in and be debt-free in a church and have done that in the last, think about the last two years of COVID. To be able to do that, I mean, it had been easy to excuse after two years, guys, we just couldn't do it. And I think all of you would have accepted that excuse, right? We've excused it for everything else. But here we are two years later, post-COVID, and we're able to come up here and say, we are debt-free. I mean, that's, to me, that is, of all the things we've done at this church, I think that leading up to this point, and think of the ministries we can do, think of the relief we have, think of what we can do to this community, to not to be to debt-free is just incredible. So I, that's the, probably the most, of all things we've done here, maybe the most exciting thing we've done. <laughs> Listen, we can be excited about that. We can. D- did you see all the places where God was faithful to provide all that we needed and more? Uh, from from a, the firehouse to a, a school to, to not being able to be there, but to be there and then to provide all the, the right staff to come alongside, even as we're working in different places to help us and then to have a free land and then people just giving us these large gifts and then the growth at every step of the journey, God gave us everything we needed and more. At, at that First Fruits campaign where they were making the decision to build this building, there were a little over 200 people in attendance. Only around 70 people made pledges. Those 70 people in one day gave and pledged $1.7 million. 70 people looked at this whole thing and said, we want there to be a place where God's name will be lifted up. That's $25,000 a person. I did the math, right? That's a lot. Where people just said, hey, I, I believe in what God is doing here, and we have been reaping the benefits of that faithfulness for the last 16 years. This is just a testimony of what God has done over and over in the life of this congregation. And so, look, we have reason to give thanks to the Lord, reason to be, be excited about what he has provided for us. Uh, but look, some of you might be new here today and say, Adam, this is really great. I'm so happy for you. Um, but, but I came here today for a worship service, right? I came here to talk about Jesus, and we're talking a lot about debt and buildings and money. Uh, and that's not really what I came here to talk about that. Uh, isn't it really more about the ministry? Isn't this more about the Lord and what he has done? That's actually exactly right. It is about the ministry. It is about what he has done in this place. But this place is important. Because you see, in order for us to do all of that ministry, in order for us to have a place to gather, a place for us to become the people that we've become, you actually do need a physical place. 
That's exactly what God has provided. Think about all the places in Scripture where God provided a place for his people. I mean, you can really start out with the Garden of Eden, where, where God just creates a place. He says, listen, I'm going to give you this whole physical planet. But then once he begins moving and starting to create his people, he gives them first the tabernacle. And he says, for this entire nation of Israel, I'm going to give you a place. I'm going to be right here in the midst of you, a place for you to come and worship, a place for you to sacrifice. And all the tents would point towards this very particular place. And of course, the tabernacle was just a way station on the path to the promised land. God gave them a place. He said, this is a particular land, a place where I want you to be, a place where you can grow and flourish as a people. And all throughout the life of Israel, the, the nation would, would gather together at the temple in Jerusalem. And multiple times a year, they would have these festivals where everybody could be. They would celebrate. They would worship. They would, they would sacrifice. They had a place in which to gather. But you might say, yeah, but Adam, Jesus never built a building. Uh, he was never into buildings and all these different things. And that's true. He actually did something even greater. He built us. He says, we are going to be his temple. We are his living temple, and he would come to live in us. But we are still physical beings. And for us to be that temple, we need a place. Because you see, when God's talking about the temple, his body, he's not talking to individuals. He's talking to us collectively. You see, you are not the body of Christ, and I am not the body of Christ. I'm a body part. You are a body part. We together are the body of Christ. And so he's always provided a physical place for his people to gather. Look at this. This is in Acts chapter 2. This is right after the birth of the church. It says, And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Okay, super familiar passage, uh, but notice what he says here. They were meeting in the temple. Uh, they had a physical place to be, and then after that, they would go into each other's homes. And this probably wasn't even just ones and twos. This would be in even larger groups. They would go and gather in each other's homes. Go to the next one. Here's Acts 5. So a little while later, it says, Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. Solomon's portico was a part of the temple complex. Temple complex was massive. And so these thousands of people would say, hey, we're going to be over in this corner, right? So come meet us in this corner. That's where we're all going to gather. And so they would, they, a thousand strong, they would go into this, this corner of the temple and that's where they would worship. But after this, the church was scattered. And as they moved to different cities, you see something different. Here, this is in Philemon uh, chapter one, uh, verses one and two. It says this, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Apphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house. So Philemon is a wealthy member of the church, and he's got a space large enough for the entire church to meet in this house. This is actually one of four different places in the New Testament where you see a church meeting in someone's house. And look, this couldn't have just been a living room. This had to have been a larger structure to kind of house all these people. Even though the churches were smaller then, these would have been larger places. Because we are physical, we need a physical place to meet. So much so that look what he says here in John chapter 14, verses 1 and 2. In fact, if you got that there, we opened it up here earlier. You can look there in your text. 
but look what he says in John chapter 14 in verses 2 and 3. Jesus says this, And my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go and prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself that you may be, that where I am, you may be also. Look, he's talking about heaven and we understand that. But remember, we've learned he's bringing heaven to earth. And as we look to the future, don't miss this fact in verse 2. He's creating a place for us. We need a physical place. We're going to continue to be physical beings on into eternity. So he creates a physical place for us to be. And he says, I'm working on this. I am preparing this for you. So throughout our history, God has provided all of these places, a physical place in which we can gather, for where we can become a family and from which we can be sent to do ministry. Because you see, this physical place is the, where, is the place where, experience, where relationships are experienced. This place is the place where relationship happens, where relationships are experienced. I want you to think for a moment about grandma's house, all right? Grandma's house has a very special place in my heart. I'm sure your grandma's house probably has a special place in your heart. For me, grandma's house was just south of St. Louis, uh, in a little town called Arnold, uh, and grandma and grandpa lived there. And almost every Christmas when I was a kid, uh, we would drive from Montgomery through Birmingham on the way to St. Louis. And I just have a ton of very fond memories of grandma's house. There's Christmases and there's Thanksgivings and, and there's all these different images and memories, precious memories I have in my head because of that place. They're all associated with grandma's house. And so you probably have that too in your life, depending on which grandma you had. But you've got your own set of experiences. But why are these so precious? Because, because that was the meeting place. Invariably, other family would be there. Invariably, other people would be driving from their hometowns, and we would all meet up at grandma's and grandpa's. It was the place where grandma was. The reason that place is so special is because of who lived there. And that's what makes this place special as well. It's not the building itself. It's not the walls. It's who lives here. And it's us. What God has been doing over the past 18 years is he's been building a family of faith right here at Double Oak. He's been knitting us together as a spiritual family. And he's inviting all of us to be a part of it. He says, I want you to be in this very specific place. And that place is special. Look, if we learned anything during the pandemic, we learned this, that worshiping remotely is not the same as worshiping in person. Amen. It's not. Listen, remotely, you can get the exact same sermon. You can hear it. You can hear the exact same songs. You can hear them, but you do not get the same experience. You don't get this. You don't get the gathering of God's people. You don't get the, the smiles and the hugs and the handshakes as you walk in. You don't get to hear the people of God. You're not in the room experiencing what God is doing, not just in you, but in us as a people. For that, you've got to be in a particular location, a place. And God gives this to us. But, but, but look, the, the, the building itself isn't all that important. It really comes down to who is here. My grandma's house itself is not all that uh, impressive. It's really not all that special. If you just look at it online, it's just a house. The thing that makes it important is the people who are inside it and what happens there. 
And so for just a moment, I want you to think about all the things, for those of us who are longtime members here at Double Oak, I want you to think about all of the experiences spiritually that you and I have had on this campus. I want you to think about all the things that God has done in our lives that have included this particular place. Some of you came to faith in Jesus Christ right here in this room. I know that because I can remember places in this room where I, I got to be a part of praying with you as you gave your life to Jesus Christ. Many of you were baptized in this baptistry, just like Bryant was this morning. And if it wasn't you, it might have been your spouse, your husband, your wife, or maybe your kids who were baptized in this baptistry. You might have stood at the front of this stage to have your kids dedicated right here in this church. You might have watched your kids on these risers as they've been practicing up on the second floor for weeks and weeks and and to come and finally present their kids musical and sing back scripture to us and sing back all that they had learned about the Lord. And we get to watch them grow up in the faith and become more like him. And we watch that right here in this very place. I got married in this room. Right underneath those windows, this will always be a very special place for Allison and I because this is a place where where our marriage began. Think about all the times that God spoke to you in a sermon or through the worship where he ministered to your heart and he gave you an answer to a question or he answered a prayer or, or he helped you or he healed you or he encouraged you or he challenged you or he grew you. Think about how different you are now than where you were the years before when you came to Double Oak and how God has been the one to guide you through because you had a consistent place to worship with God's family. Think about the Christmas Eve services, the Easter services. Remember the one we had in the parking lot a couple years ago? I think about all the different communions that we've had right here in this room. Think about the community groups, about the friendships that you've built and the conversations that you've had right here on this campus, maybe across the street in the community building where you built lifelong friendships that God has provided in your life that have changed you for the better. Man, that is a gift that God has given us through his people, but don't underestimate the value of a place. The value of just having a place to congregate, a place where we can all be together to experience him together. This is what God has given us. But look, the most important part of being here, even more important than us, is the fact it's been the Lord himself who's been knitting us together. This place is not holy per se. We call it a sanctuary and we worship here, but the building itself is not holy. It is holy now because we are in it. And the reason that we are holy is because God lives in us. We have a common Savior who has changed your life and has changed mine and has been knitting us together into a supernatural spiritual family. People come and they go. The church grows and changes over time. But God has been doing something supernatural in this place the entire time, and we've gotten to be a part of it. And all along the way, the Lord did not just provide for us brothers and sisters and and resources and and giftings and, and, and older brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers and children that we get to pour our lives in. He's given us everything we need and more in this place. And just like any good father, he also put a roof over our heads, and he made sure that we had a place to meet, a place that was a safe a place that we could grow in. And we have been enjoying those blessings for close to 18 years now. And that's something to give the Lord praise for. It's something to give him honor for. It's something to thank him for that today we can say right now on this campus, we are free and clear, debt-free at the Mount Laurel campus because of what God has provided to us. Amen.
So in a way to celebrate that today, we're going to celebrate communion. Because we are a faith family, we are going to celebrate as a family together at table. So I'm going to invite the choir to go ahead and come back up on the platform, and they're going to lead us through worship uh, as we do that. Listen, whenever we do communion, uh, two things are happening. I I couldn't figure out the number, but we've done this hundreds of times in this room. Jesus told us to come back again and again to this table. But whenever you and I come to communion, two things are occurring. First and foremost, we have communion here. We're having communion with our Heavenly Father. He is the one who invites us to this table. And the meal here is himself. He offers us his body and blood. He says, I want to give you salvation. I need to give you what you cannot have on your own. I want to save you from death. We have hope in life because Jesus Christ has given his life for us. Amen. And so he gives us the bread and he gives us the cup and he says, this is my body and this is my blood. I'm going to provide for you everything you need for salvation. I'm going to provide for you everything you need for life and godliness through me. I give you myself. And so whenever we come to communion, we have communion with him. But secondly, and and don't forget this, we also have communion here. This is why, by the way, we don't do communion by ourselves at home. If you were doing that, stop it. All right? Uh, communion is not a solitary experience. It's not just for you. It's for us because we're a family. This is a family table. And so we do this together. As believers in Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters of all ages, we come collectively to this table because God is not just communing with me. He's communing with all of us because we are his body. This particular body right here at Double Oak Community Church, Mount Laurel, we get to celebrate together. To help us to do that today, I want to invite our elders to come and serve us today, both our previous and current elders. And so, men, if you'll go ahead and come forward and prepare for that. Uh, Typically, it's our deacons who serve us, but because it's been these very elders who have been shepherding us over the past 18 years uh, to help get us to this point, I wanted to give them the honor today uh, of serving communion to us. And listen, you are welcome to participate with us. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are welcome at this table. You don't have to be a member at Double Oak Community Church. This might be your very first time with us. But if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are welcome at this table. If you know you've surrendered your life to Jesus, that he lives in you, you live in him, you are absolutely welcome at our table. If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ or you're not just confident enough to say that out of respect for the Lord and for us, we would just ask that you would abstain as the the elements come by. But please know this, at the table of the Lord, there's always an extra place set. There's always a place open for you. And the Lord is inviting you to join. He's saying, why wouldn't you come and feast at my table? If you're willing to repent of your sins, And come accept brand new life in Jesus Christ. Why would you not join this spiritual family and enjoy the life, the hope, the eternal life that God gives to us? And so if you want to put your faith in him, do so today and join in with us, if you will. And I do want to invite these elders up on the stage. Uh, Again, these are the elders who for years, both current and former, who've been the ones kind of working behind the scenes to to shepherd us, to keep us on this path, who have had a a huge part in getting us today. And I want to make sure they get a chance uh, to be a part of this well. And in fact, in just a moment, I'm going to ask them to pray for us uh, as we begin to end out our service. 
But look, as we step into another chapter of our church, it begs the question, what's next? So where do we go from here? Uh, Not having this mortgage means that it frees up about $25,000 a month for us to pour back into ministry, uh, to do all the things that we're doing now, to do even more of the things that we're doing now, more ministry partners that we can support, more things uh, that we can do. It's an incredible opportunity that the Lord gives to us. As we think about that, I want you to keep a few things in mind as we step into this new chapter. First and foremost, we do need to take care of what God has given to us. Uh, God has given us this incredible facility, uh, and we now hold it debt-free. However, it's still 15, 16 years old, uh, which means it's going to have to be maintained. Uh, You might have noticed that last year we did a refresh of the commons. We've had new chairs in here. We've been slowly making sure we take care of this facility, and we'll need to continue to do that as it ages. Uh, Secondly, we need to be prepared to grow. I don't know if you've noticed this, but look around. The Lord is growing us once again. Uh, We've seen this once before where God just kind of literally got us. We were busting at the seams in the past three months. We have seen a meteoric rise in what God has been doing right here uh, at Mount Laurel. We need to be prepared for that growth because it is our desire to see more people come to salvation in Jesus Christ. Amen. We want to see people grow in their faith. We want to see more of our kids trained up and grown to to know Jesus and know how to walk in him. We, We want this to be a place where The hurting can find help, where the sinful can find grace, where the lost can be saved. And that's what God has been doing, and we hope that he does this even more. And that will bring new opportunities and challenges, and we need to be prepared for that. But thirdly, and probably the most importantly, uh, we need to be prepared to be faithful. As the world continues to secularize, this can continue to be an oasis in chaotic times. Uh, yes, you and I walk out into the world, and I don't know what your, your workplace is like or your neighborhood or sometimes even your family. We say, Adam, I, I don't have a lot of believers here. There, there's not a believers that I get to fellowship with. This gets to be that place where at least one time a week we get to gather together as God's people and say, we're all on the same page. Different though we are, we all have one very important thing in common. We have all been saved by Jesus Christ. Amen. We have a common hope in Jesus Christ. We have been and are being changed by him, and we will live in him forever. As we pray that this place is an oasis in a chaotic world, that people can find rest here, they can find hope, they can find healing and encouragement and and love that is undeserved, just like we receive a love that is undeserved. We, We get encouragement and training from the word of God. We get fed by his word that we might grow up in him We pray that this continues to be a city on a hill, the salt and light of the earth, a beacon shining forth the gospel of Jesus Christ in this particular community. As he has already done so, may he continue to do so again. God has done amazing things in these past 18 years, but he has even more to do in us as we move forward. And we need to be excited and look forward to step in. Just like all these people have before us, we need to now step into what God is asking us to do, that his name might be lifted up and that he might be glorified. And so as we begin to close out, we do want to close in prayer. And I've asked a few of our elders to do that. And so we're going to start with Bob Copper and then with Mike Mantooth and then Kirk Cuevas. Uh, and then I'll close out uh, at the end of that. But I've asked these, uh, these elders to pray over us as a congregation as we go forward. So Bob, lead us in prayer. Lord, when the, when the world tells us you no longer do miracles, we don't believe it. We've seen it with our eyes. We've felt it in our hearts. We know it in our souls that 
you continue to lavish your reckless love on the people of this church. We've seen it for the last 18 years. We've seen it today. Uh, we've seen marriages put back together in this church. We've seen people from the abyss of, of uh, sin be brought back to be able to serve you at this church. We've seen people saved from the, uh, the prison of addiction in this church. But mostly we've seen people saved uh, and, and have now have a hope and attorney with you in heaven. We thank you for what you've done in this place. Uh, the people of this church are here. Uh, they love you. You love them. And the people of this church want to continue uh, what they've started in this church. Uh, we know you have great plans. We want to be ready for the next big thing at this church. We thank you for putting in this place. We just want to thank you today for all that you've done, the miracles you provided, the, the miracles we've seen, the, the people that have been put back together because of who you are. And we thank you for that. Christ, and we pray. Father, I come before you this morning and I want to lift up the people of Double Oak to you. The staff, the members, the attenders, Father, everybody who composes our congregation. And I want to pray a, a prayer of commission and encouragement over us. But I can't think of a better way to do that than going back to your word and reading something you've written to us. And in Ephesians 4, 15, it says, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, whether each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And Father, I just pray that that would be our heartbeat. I pray that it would be our goal. That as we walk out of these walls, we would lock arms with our brothers and sisters in Christ, those who are seeking, that we could share our story, that we could be vulnerable, that we could be transparent, that we could rejoice with and grieve with and hold accountable, Father, and just walk with each other, bonded in love, all in the sake of growing up into full maturity that is the body of Christ. And we thank you for this in Christ's name. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, we come today celebrating your faithfulness. We're celebrating this moment, this Ebenezer moment, Lord, where we can look back and see your hand in the vision that began 18 years ago. Lord, and let us always be mindful of that. Let us always remember today. But more importantly, Lord, let us focus on what you want to do with us going forward. And Lord, I just pray that as we embark on this next chapter, that's the journey that we know is double oak. Lord, I pray that you will put a hunger and a thirst in each of us, Lord, to share the gospel. A passion to serve you and to serve others. And Lord, in doing so, I just pray that you equip all of us who call Double Oak home, but Lord, those that even today are going to come, Lord, that you will rise up amongst us the next generation of leaders, the next generation of elders and teachers and servants. Lord, that we would come with purposeful hearts. Lord, that we would come focused on furthering your kingdom, Lord, and allowing us to be used as your hands and feet, as we try to be uh, that city on a hill. Lord, let it be said that when folks drive by here or come here, that they know that this is God's people. And Lord, I just pray that going forward, that we uh, 
seek your face, seek your guidance in all that we do. And Lord, thank you for how you've blessed us so abundantly. And Lord, how you're going to do so in the future. And we'll give this uh, prayer to you in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, we have so many reasons to thank you, to praise you, uh, just to live in humble awe of what you have lavished upon us. Lord, for many of us years ago, before we ever knew uh, that we were going to be here, you provided people, resources, uh, a place, an opportunity so that there could be a family of faith right here at Devil Oak Mill World. God, you have been faithful, not just to build this congregation, but to use us in powerful ways to change us, to grow us, to make us who we are today. And Lord, you're doing even more. And I, I, I don't know if we could have predicted this past 18 years, and I certainly can't predict the next 18. I just know that you're working. And Lord, it is our desire to continue to be your people, to follow after you, to, to, to let you guide us and lead us and change us and mold us. God, to use us how you will. And Lord, I agree with all of these men, God, that you truly would use us in a powerful way, that you would send us out with your gospel, that you would send us with your love, you would send us with your, your, your peace and your favor, God, that we would lift your name high, that just like us, so many more uh, people right here in this very area would come to know you personally. So Jesus, thank you for what you've done. We give you all the thanks and praise for all of these things, God, for giving us this place that we now own. God, we want to honor you with it in all that we do. But God, even more than that, we're so excited to see what you're about to do in and through each and every one of us. Father, thank you for what you've done. Thank you for what you are doing. And God, we give you thanks ahead of time for what you are about to do in and through us here. In your name we pray. And we all said... Amen. Amen.